0: right, so those of you that caught Ben's 90s reference, you might also uh, know the source of this quote, okay? In the movie The Princess Bride, the character, the dread pirate Roberts, says this to the princess, life is pain, Highness, anyone who says differently is selling something. Now, I don't believe that life is pain, but I certainly see that there is a lot of pain in our lives, is there not? Often there is a lot of sorrow and a lot of difficulty in our lives. And we saw two examples of this last week. In last week's sermon, we saw the servants of God afraid because they were in the middle of a storm. And we saw a man who was suffering, who was ashamed because he was being wrecked by the forces of evil. And he had been uh, you know, estranged and he had been cast out by society. The Bible gives us many examples of the pain and difficulties of life. A widow who lost her only son. A preacher who was arrested and imprisoned, accused of treason for just preaching the gospel. A woman who suffered many years in an illness to which she could find no help. And a man desperate for Jesus to heal his only daughter. We can identify with people like that, can't we? We can imagine how they felt, we can understand what they were afraid of. And with them, we may also wonder, where is God in the midst of all of this suffering and pain in our lives, especially this past year, a year of disease and death, of societal disruption? We wonder, where is God? It may seem like He's asleep at the wheel, or at least in the back of the boat. But as we saw last week, We may wonder if God cares when we're in the middle of a storm, but Jesus demonstrated for us that God does care. We may not see or understand what He's doing in the moment, but God is present and He is at work. And if we pay attention, we can feel His presence. We can hear His voice. We can see His handiwork. We can know that Jesus is always with us in the boat, riding out life's storms. And when we feel like that He just isn't going to show up, that nothing's going to change, Jesus does show up. Jesus does do something. Always at the time and in the way He always meant to. Last week I compared Jesus' miracles to road signs. That they are pointing us to something greater. Something beyond themselves. Something that's greater than our present pain or suffering. Paul says that in fact our sufferings themselves can also be road signs pointing us to something greater. In Romans 8.18, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Whatever your, whatever your present pain is right now, it's passing. But God's present and coming kingdom is forever. It will never pass away. And the glory of God's kingdom is far greater than any suffering we may be going through in the moment. We saw last week that Jesus has power over the natural dangers we may face. He has power over the supernatural, demonic demons that are around us. And in today's interconnected miracles, these two stories are intertwined. We're going to look at them as a whole here in just a minute. We'll discover that Jesus also has power over disease and over death. As we look at these two stories, and if you'll turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5, As we look at these two stories, notice how Jesus shows up in a powerful, life-changing way for two daughters. And as He does that, we'll notice a life-changing truth for us. That when we're facing troubles, we can trust that God will transform us by His touch. Whatever troubles we face, we can trust that God will transform us by His touch. Look with me at Mark chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 21. Remember, Jesus was on the side of the Sea of Galilee where the Jewish people lived, around Capernaum. He set sail, went over to the other side, to the the Gentile territory, and cast the, the, the legion of demons out of the man. And now it says, when Jesus had again crossed over the lake by boat, probably back to Capernaum, to the other side, a large crowd... Gathered around them. So they were waiting. This crowd of people were waiting there outside of Capernaum for Jesus to arrive. And one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And once Jesus realized the power had gone out from him, he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, "Why all this commotion and wailing, this child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. The first truth that we see in the story is that we will all face trouble. We'll all face trouble. In this story, we meet two people from very different backgrounds, but both of them come to Jesus with equally heavy burdens. We have the man whose name is Jairus, the ruler of the local synagogue, probably a man of great wealth, a man who had power in his community. The woman, however, is nameless. We never learn her name. We do learn that she is a person of lowly status. Mark describes her as someone who suffered a great deal. She spent all she had going to various doctors and trying all the treatments, but it only made her condition worse to the point that she was finally just sort of cast out from the community and forgotten. In many ways, she reminds me of the demoniac we looked at last week, right? People had tried to help him as well and were unsuccessful, and he ended up an outcast estranged from his family. Jairus intercedes for his child. The woman has no one to intercede for her. Jairus has been blessed with 12 years of joy because of his daughter. She's been afflicted, afflicted with 12 years of pain because of her illness. Yet as different as they were, they both faced enormous trouble. For the woman... It had been a long, slow suffering over 12 years, but for Jairus it was sudden and unexpected. But it teaches us that everyone is equally subject to the pain and the troubles of life. There is no privilege from pain. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, powerful or not powerful, religious or not religious, nobody gets a pass at one point or another in our lives, we will all know what it's like to face a crisis. As I said last week, the Bible is brutally honest about the trying nature of life. Jesus warned us that we would have troubles in this world. But the good news, He said, is take heart because I have overcome the world. We can put our hope and our trust in Jesus that He can transform our troubles and our tragedies with His loving Touch. Both the man and the woman come to Jesus with their pain, with their fear, and with their faith that somehow this Jesus can make a difference. So we see in this story that no matter our background, no matter where we come from in life, we will all face troubles. But secondly, we see that we can trust God. We can, every one of us, trust God. The woman trusted that Jesus could cure her physical problem. But what she didn't realize is that Jesus could do so much more than that. She didn't realize that her problem wasn't just a physical one, but a spiritual one, a relational one. She, because of her uncleanness, had been cut off from the spiritual life of her community. We discover why this is in Leviticus chapter 15. If you look at verses 25 through 30 at some point, you'll see how it explains that a woman, a person in her condition... Not only was she defiled, but anything she touched was defiled, was made ritually unclean. It's not that it was a sin, it wasn't wrong. It just made her ritually unclean, which kept her from being able to enter the synagogue, to make a sacrifice, or to engage really in any of the worship practices of her community. And after 12 years of trying every solution, of seeing countless doctors, she was left destitute, discouraged. And desperate. And she brought all that to Jesus. Who could do for her what no one had been able to do. You see, she trusted, as we've heard about and sung about this morning, she trusted in Jesus' power. She trusted in His power. She had faith enough to dare to cross this ritual barrier, to break the ceremonial law, and to go into a crowd and touch Jesus. She was risking making Jesus unclean making anybody she touched in that crowd unclean. Now, she didn't fully understand who Jesus was. She had heard rumors about this holy man, this this rabbi from Nazareth who was working miracles, and she believed she had enough faith to say that if I could just touch his clothes, I I will be healed. Now, we may look at that and think that her faith was shallow. We may even say that it was a little superstitious. If I just touch the holy man's clothes, I'll be healed. But it was enough faith. It was the faith of a child. It was the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. And Jesus said that kind of faith can move mountains. You see, when you have a great God, you don't necessarily have to have a great faith. You just have to have faith enough to reach out and touch Him. Jesus is strong enough to overcome and do something amazing, even with our weak faith. Jairus also took a risk. He crossed a different kind of barrier, the barrier of pride. As I said, Jairus was in in charge of the local synagogue. He was sort of like the pastor of the synagogue. And in, in, in that time and place, it made him a very prominent person in the community. He probably was a man of great wealth. He was very influential, had a good reputation. He was not only in charge of overseeing the actual building of the synagogue, but all of its activities and even planning the worship service for Sabbath. Yet, Jairus was just as desperate as this woman. And imagine the great humility it took for him, such a, a prominent person in the Jewish faith, to come and to fall at the feet of this renegade rabbi from Nazareth. I mean, what good comes from Nazareth? This rabbi that the religious establishment, the Pharisees and Sadducees, whose respect he needed, they'd have already decided that Jesus was an enemy. That Jesus needed to die But none of that mattered to Jairus because his little girl, his only child, his pride and his joy was dying at home. And Jairus had enough faith in Jesus' power to come and fall at his feet in humble submission. Neither Jairus nor this woman were willing to let anything get in the way of them coming to experience Jesus' power. But not only that, They trusted in His presence. In His presence as well. In 1947, missionaries Dick and Margaret Hillis settled with their four children uh, around the Mule River in the Hunan province of China. And nearly a thousand Chinese were worshiping every Sunday at their mission church. And it would have been happy times if not for the fact that the forces of Chiang Kai-shek and Mao Zedong were at war. And the conflict was getting worse by the day. And in fact, one day, Nationalist Captain Huang urgently told the Hillises, the communists are moving on the Mule River Market. You better take your family and get out now. But it was already too late. The communists had already burned the railroad bridges and destroyed the road bridges. There was no way out of the province. And that evening, the Hillis family heard the first shots. And before long, the battle was raging all around them. You can imagine they didn't sleep much at night, but they spent the nights in prayer. The city soon fell. The streets were filled with communist troops. But then a new danger rose because Captain Huang, now on the outside, was, was lobbing shells inside on these communist rebels. And so the Hillis family would hear day after day these bombardments getting closer and closer until finally one day the house next door was obliterated and everyone in it was dead. And they spent that night huddled in the corner, as yet another shell exploded, this time sending dirt and glass and brick and debris through their walls and in their windows. The house shook. The children screamed. They knew they were going to die. But in silence, nothing else happened. They began to come outside and realize the fighting had finally stopped. The room, the house was in ruins, but thankfully none of them were hurt. And so that night... As Hillis was putting his children to bed, he went to his daughter's bed and he knelt down to pray with her and as he was walking away, he noticed a piece of paper sticking out under her pillow and he pulled it out and there scribbled in the big letters of a little child's hand were these words, Our God is a refuge in strength, a very present help in trouble. Through those nights of terror, that little girl was resting in the very big promise of a very faithful God. You know, you and I might look at our world and we might also think, where is God in all this chaos and rubble? We feel like the world around us is exploding. But God is right there. He's with you in the storm. He's walking with us through the dark valleys. He's there with us in our pain and in our troubles. Just think of the cross. Jesus was tempted by Satan and even deterred by his own disciples from facing the cross. But Jesus went to the cross, He endured the pain, He scorned the shame, He took the beatings for you and for me. God doesn't avoid the pain and troubles of life. He endures them with us and for us. And it's because of His presence with us in those times of trouble that we have access to His power. We have His power because of His presence. This woman was so filled with shame because of her condition that she tried to sneak up on Jesus. She tried to take some of His power without experiencing His presence. But Jesus doesn't work like that. You can't hide from Jesus. You can't sneak up on Jesus. He'll see you coming a mile away. See, Jesus came to do more than just give us gifts from His power. He came to give us the greatest gift of all, Himself. He came to give us His presence more than Jesus wants to do things for you. Jesus wants to know you, and He wants you to know Him. He wants to be with you, and He wants you to be with Him. Now, somehow, Jairus seemed to understand that. Notice that he fell at Jesus' feet right away, much as the demoniac did. He ran right up to Jesus and fell at His feet. He was a powerful, influential man. He could have sent a servant to get Jesus. He didn't. He could have asked Jesus, said, Jesus, you don't have to come, just say the word, and I know my daughter will be healed. We know that Jesus could do that. No, it was important for Jairus that Jesus be present with his daughter. See, both Jairus and the woman learned that Jesus is accessible, He is available. And we need to do that. We need to understand the same thing. We need to know that, as Hebrews says, we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we can have mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can trust in Jesus' power. We can trust in His presence and we can trust in His perfect timing. His perfect timing. Now, can you imagine? Put yourself in Jairus' shoes. Can you imagine the frustration that he felt at this woman? who was delaying Jesus, wasting precious moments that Jesus could could use to get there and to be with his daughter. I can only imagine as Jesus has stopped and this crowd is surrounding him and he's dealing with this woman, that Jairus must be frantically worried and wondering, who is this woman? Who is this poor, unclean woman that she would be taking up Jesus' precious time? And imagine his feelings when those messengers from his house arrived and gave him the tragic news. But Jesus assured Jairus, he said, don't be afraid, just believe. Believe what? Jesus, didn't you hear what they just said? My daughter is dead. Believe what? It's too late. See, Jesus senses things that we don't. He sees things that we can't. And his timing isn't always what we think it should be. Maybe you've experienced times when you wondered that. When you wondered about God's timing. Maybe you've been like Jairus thinking it's too late. Thinking it's too far gone. It's over. What can God do now? But then Jesus shows up and you discover that it's never too late. That no one is too far gone for Jesus. Or maybe you're like the woman. You've waited a long time. Maybe 12 years. And you've 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 searched for answers. You've sought healing. You've prayed and you've prayed. Maybe you're in the midst of your 12 long years of affliction right now. And Jesus hasn't showed up yet. Where is God? Well, Jesus doesn't always come or intervene the way we think or the way we want. A, A good example of that is Brian Sternberg. In 1963, he was the world record holder for men's pole vault. And he was training and getting ready for a competition against the Soviet Union when a tragic accident happened. He landed on his head, snapped his neck, and became a quadriplegic the rest of his life. Philip Yancey, in writing his book, Where is God When It Hurts?, made a visit to Brian and his mother. And he records his mother saying this, No one in Brian's condition has ever walked. No one. Yet we still have faith. I have no idea when God will heal Brian. Conceivably, this particular battle will not be won here on earth. Some people you pray for are healed, and some aren't in this world. But that matter of timing doesn't change God's desire for our wholeness in body, mind, and spirit. We won't give up. We're like doctors searching for a cure. We won't stop investigating because we think it pleases God for us to persevere. And Brian's mother was right. His healing didn't come in this life. Not in this world. But his life was still filled with hundreds, if not thousands of miracles, least of which was the fact that he lived as long and had as great a condition of life as he did, given his injuries. Brian trusted in God despite his tragedy. And in unexpected ways, Jesus still touched and transformed his life. We can trust in Jesus' power. We can trust in His presence, we can trust in His perfect timing, and when we do, we also can experience Jesus' touch. And as we learn in these miracles, Jesus' touch is, first of all, a personal touch. Jesus immediately knew when this woman touched his garment, and he wanted to meet this person. His power had healed. This woman that was afraid to get too close to Jesus, I think maybe she was afraid that Jesus would reject her like everyone else had rejected her before. But our God does not discard us because of our weaknesses. He doesn't turn us away because of our pain or our brokenness or our uncleanness. Our God embraces us even while we're His enemies. Christ died for us while we were sinners. Yes, We are a broken people. We live in a broken world. We may even consider ourselves as worthless or useless, but we are precious to God, made in His image. He loves us and values us more than we could ever imagine. For the woman and for Jairus' daughter, Jesus' touch was a personal touch. Jesus didn't heal the daughter from a distance. He didn't heal her with just a word. No, He went to her home, into her bedroom, sat by her bed, held her hand. Jesus spoke to the woman tenderly and called her daughter. The only time Jesus ever called someone that in all the Gospels was this woman. He called her daughter. Mark emphasizes the intimacy of the moment with Jairus' daughter, the great care that Jesus took. And, and He does that by quoting Jesus in His native tongue in Aramaic. Talitha kum, little girl, little girl, get up. It was a personal, tender moment. Jesus didn't want it to be a public spectacle. He, he sent away the doubters. He dismissed the, the, the paid mourners. He didn't let the gawking crowd come. Just His three closest disciples and the girl's parents. Now, it's interesting as we read the New Testament, Jesus never healed or raised somebody from the dead the same way twice. Jesus recognizes that every one of our situations is unique. Every sorrow, every trial, every trouble that we face is different. And so Jesus always approaches each of us with a very special and unique touch. So whatever your personal trial or tragedy may be, when you trust in the power and in the presence and in the perfect timing of Jesus, you will experience His personal touch. It's not a magic formula. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's just Jesus and His answer for you. It's a personal touch. But secondly, it's a touch prompted by faith. And again, it doesn't have to be a great faith. Like I said, Jesus said, even the faith of a small child, even the size of a mustard seed. But we have to have faith. What did Jesus tell this woman was the reason for her healing? Her faith. What instruction did he give Jairus? Just believe. We have to have faith. Think for a moment about this woman in the crowd. And I thought about this this past week. And it's not something I think I ever really thought about before, that there were a lot of people in that crowd that day, Right? It was a crowd. Mark says they were pressed in on Jesus. Do you think that woman was the only person in that crowd that had a personal problem? Is she the only person in that crowd that needed something or wanted something from Jesus? So why wasn't everybody pressing on Jesus healed at that moment? What made this woman so special? Because her healing was prompted by her faith. God acted because of her faith. I love the disciples comment when Jesus asked who touched him they, you know, Jesus, there are people crowding all around us. What do you I mean who touched me? That would be like some celebrity on the red carpet at the Oscars stopping and saying, who just took my picture? Uh, everyone. Yet this teaches us something that you can be in the crowd and never be called a child of the king. You can press in on Jesus but not experience his healing touch. It was her faith that prompted Jesus to act. There are people today that think, if I just read a book, if I go to a conference, if I go to counseling, if I, if I come to church, that's enough. If I grew up in a Christian home, if my name's on the church roll, if I go to Sunday school occasionally, if I put some money in the offering plate, that's enough. But it's not enough. Those things are great. They're good. They're good starting points. They're good opportunities. But you have to take the next step. And the next step is to put your faith in and trust in Jesus and His power and His presence and His perfect timing. It was a touch prompted by faith, but finally, it was a public touch. Jesus didn't let this woman's healing stay private, did He? He called her out publicly, not to humiliate her, but to affirm her, to encourage her. She'd been cut off from her family and her friends and her community for so long, Jesus wanted to present her back to them as clean As whole. She had been isolated from her family, so Jesus called her daughter. A name she probably hadn't been called in years. And Jesus gave her the chance to publicly confess her faith in Him and to share with the crowd her amazing story. Jesus took a personal encounter and He made it public. Ultimately, this happened with Jairus' daughter too. I mean, at the moment that the miracle happened in the quiet privacy of that room, much as her birth would have happened, she might even have been born in that room. But when a baby is born, do you keep it quiet? Do you hide that? No. You shout it from the rooftops. You put it on Facebook. You you let everybody know about that. And, And here's a girl who was born again. Born anew from death to life. Came to life in Christ. You don't hide that. You don't keep that a secret. And there's no way. She eventually walked out of that house and all those mourners who were there realized she was dead. But now she's alive. When Jesus brings healing and hope to our trials and our tragedies, when He brings someone from death to life and they are born again, it's not a secret to be kept. It's a story to be celebrated. Faith may be personal, but it's far from private you have a story to tell. And maybe you tell it trembling before a crowd. Or maybe you just live out your life as someone who is dead and is now alive in Christ. But you've got a story to tell. Faith needs to be shown. It needs to be demonstrated and lived and declared. Because yes, we have troubles Yes, we can trust God. Yes, we can experience Jesus' personal touch. But then you know what that makes us? That makes us transformed. We are transformed by God. You think about this. Think of all of the, the pain and the frustration of Jairus was transformed into a new personal understanding and faith in Jesus. For both Jairus and his daughter and the woman, this transformation was more than just a healing It was even more than just a resurrection from the dead. It was transformed hearts and minds. It was people who were now become sons and daughters of the King. They knew Jesus. And that made all the difference. Maybe this morning you need to be transformed by Jesus' touch. Maybe you're ashamed of the things that you've done. You don't feel worthy. Maybe you're in the crowd trembling, trying to sneak up behind Jesus and just touch Him. Maybe you wonder, how could Jesus ever forgive my sins? How could He ever right my wrongs? How could He ever break my chains and set me free? But you know what? That's why Jesus came. That's why I was born. It's why I died on the cross. It's why I rose from the grave. It's why He's at the Father's right hand, this moment, making intercession for us. This is what Jesus does. So I invite you this morning to trust in Jesus. Let him touch your troubles and transform you from the inside out. These miracles, all four of them, they really are road signs. And they're pointing us to a day when all the storms will cease, when all the forces of evil will be silenced, when there will be no more disease, and when death has lost its sting. That's what they're pointing us to the reality of God's present and coming kingdom. I ask you to come this morning to Jesus. Reach out to Him. In childlike faith, let Him calm your storm. Let Him cast out the demons and the doubts from your heart and mind. Let Him make you clean and restore you as new and whole, a new creation to your family and your friends. Let Jesus give you a new life. You only have to believe. Have faith. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of bad news. Don't be afraid of the crowd. I invite you this morning, if you need to come and experience Jesus' power, His power to forgive, His power to save, His power to make you new, would you come today? Would you be an example to those who are watching and say, I am coming to Jesus because I believe. Would you stand and pray with me? God, we are so thankful for these miracles that demonstrate to us the power of Your kingdom over death, over disease, over demons, over danger, over anything that we face in our life. You came, Jesus, to transform us from death to life, from sinners to sons and daughters of God, to make us new and whole in You. That we could Live lives of power and lives of freedom and lives of love. Not for our own selves, but for Your glory. And to share with other people who need to hear that good news. If there's anybody today that needs that touch from You. To be forgiven of their sins and be made new. If there's anybody here that just needs to come and pray at this altar and just lay down at your feet whatever trouble, whatever pain they've been carrying around for so long. Or maybe it's a situation that has come out of nowhere and it's just laid them low. I pray, Father, Your Spirit would move and that Your people would come. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.